Well, I am excited to talk about part two of the comfort zone. As we've, as we've been talking about this, just like we saw that video, even for now, we're going to be moving out of our comfort zone because the goal is to not stay comfortable, right? The goal of this whole series is actually to make you a little uncomfortable with your comfort. You see, all of us have different levels of comfort like we talked about last week, and it's unique to you. Some of you are like, man, I'm perfectly good with calling someone. And other of you just, other of you just cringed because you're like, no, why would you ever call someone? I will text or DM. That's so much more efficient. Some of us are completely fine with going to a party while the rest of you are like, nope, I'm great on my couch. My favorite place is home. Some of us are a little more extreme. You have a comfort level all the way up to jumping out of a perfectly good flying airplane. Well, some of you are like, no, thank you. Feet on the ground. Thank you, Jesus. Right? I'm good there. Regardless of where your comfort zone is, what we talked about last time is we learned that there's no growth in your comfort zone. That's not how you become a better parent, a better leader, a better follower of Jesus. Because ultimately, we're called to move us out of our comfort. We're called to move out of our comfort zone so that we can literally change our lives and be better, but also do what God has ultimately called us to do, and that's to change the world. And what we talked about last week is if you're a follower of Jesus, we've been given a gift to help us do this. We don't have to do this on our own strength. We've been given this thing called the Holy Spirit, which is God living within us. And we talked about what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is to comfort us and to make us uncomfortable. See, he comforts us in the sense of he encourages us, right? He gives us comfort when we get that news that we don't expect to receive. He helps show us the way we need to go by guiding us. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit makes us uncomfortable by those nudges. Did anybody experience that nudge this week? Where you're like, oh, I know what you're talking about now, Raul. Where you got nudged to maybe do something you wouldn't normally do. To step into a situation you probably wouldn't normally step into. Or to say something you normally wouldn't say. But it's better that way, isn't it? It's an amazing way to live. It's so freeing and life-giving. And you get to truly experience the life <clears throat> excuse me, that Jesus has for us. And it pushes us out of our comfort zone. And ultimately... As followers of Jesus, that's what we've been called to do. See, the Holy Spirit, he empowers us to participate, not just spectate. It's easy to sit on the couch, right? Kind of like when you go to a football game or any sporting event, you're like, yeah, I'm going to cheer my team on. Go, go. Unless some of your teams lost yesterday. But you're like, go, go. And you're cheering them on. You would never get in the game. You're like, okay, they've trained for this. They're wearing pads. No way would I ever get in the game. I'm content sitting on my couch or in the stands watching. Don't ask me to get in the game. But that's not the role of the Holy Spirit. We're called to participate, and the Holy Spirit helps us to do that instead of just spectate. So for today's talk, I want to throw a statement to you. Statement you've probably heard before, but I want to hear how you respond, or I want to know how you would respond to this statement, because it'll help us understand and illustrate what I'm talking about today. Here's what the the statement is. The purpose of your life is bigger than your life. The purpose of my life, the purpose of Our lives are bigger than our lives. Now, when I read that, how did that make you feel? If some of you get worried, you're like, where's this going? Some of you excited, you're like, oh man, yes. Or some of you maybe just got extremely uncomfortable. See, typically when we hear a message like this, we go to two possible reactions. We can become inspired. We're like, yes, I want to change the world. Tell me more. Maybe you became, you're like, I'm content. I'm good. I, yeah, I, I want to do that maybe, but I'm just trying to live life right now. Like just keep up with life. 
between school, kids, grandkids, work, and then the holidays. I got to buy gifts for everyone. I can barely make it right now. So no, I'm content with where I am. Regardless of what camp you're in or reaction you might have to this statement, we actually, it's true for every single one of us. And here's what happens. We hear a message like this and we get inspired or we even want to make a change, but we don't end up making a change, do we? We don't end up stepping out because over here, it starts getting uncomfortable when we start thinking about a statement like our purpose is bigger than our own self-purposes. We like to stay contained to our own little corner of the world, right? And my goal today is to push you a little bit to this side, to get a little bit uncomfortable, to get out of your comfort zone, because that's where you're going to grow. And also, I want you to stop having life envy. You know, when you're scrolling on social media, you're like, man, that family looks like they're always doing something purposeful, or they're always having fun, or why can't my life look like that? You ever been there? It happens to me all the stinking time. Oh my gosh. But then yet, even though we might have life envy, many of us, we don't make that change to live differently. And here's why. Because it's uncomfortable to make a change like that, right? We have to change the way we're doing things. We can't keep going with the status quo. We can't keep going with the flow in order to, to really live that inspired life, to live a life greater than our own selves. We've got to get a little uncomfortable. And listen, if you're in the room and you're a follower of Jesus, You're actually called to change the world. This is a command straight from our heavenly father. And yet many of us still don't move. Probably because we actually don't believe that statement. That the purpose of our lives is bigger than our lives. Do you actually believe that statement? Because many times we're content with not thinking through that. We don't want to hear sometimes a message like this because it'll push us to become uncomfortable. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk about a situation today where Jesus was with his disciples and they didn't believe this either. Yet Jesus for three and a half years spent time with his disciples saying, listen, the purpose of your life is bigger than your life. And they're like, yeah, great, whatever, Jesus. You're the king, you're the Messiah, you're the chosen one. You're the one who's gonna overthrow the Roman government and establish the nation of Israel as the superpower on this earth. And we'll be right here with you, just standing next to you while you rule the earth. We're happy to do that. They didn't understand that Jesus's purpose for coming was to not take over the world and establish an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly kingdom that will last for all of eternity. And they were part of that plan. So we're going to pick up last week where Jesus is explaining to his disciples that after he died and came back to life, this plan. And so at this moment, the disciples are like, I'm leaning in. I'm ready. I'm ready to hear what you have to say. He's finally explaining the plan to him. But then when he explains the plan to him, it shakes them to the core and it makes them extremely uncomfortable. Here's what he said. He says this, but you speaking to the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's that gift we talked about, that gift we as followers of Jesus, once you choose to follow him, you receive that gift and it gives you power. And so the disciples are like, give me all the power. I am ready to do things like you, Jesus. And to do what? The purpose of this gift is, and you will be my witnesses. Now this word witness means to testify like in a court of law. And especially saying, I'm going to share what I've seen and what I've heard. For the disciples, they're like, okay, so you died and we had breakfast on the beach. I'm going to tell people about that. Yeah, Jesus, that's easy. I can handle that. But then this next statement is when he shakes them to the core, where he pushes them so far out of their comfort zone, they don't know what to do with themselves. He says this, 
you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, when we hear that, we're like, oh, yeah, that's easy. When the disciples heard that, they probably would have laughed at Jesus, or they would have been so afraid. Because you see, what happened in Jerusalem 40 days before this, what happened? Jesus was crucified and they scattered because they were so fearful that they wanted to, they would be killed as well because they said, we don't want your movement here. We don't believe Jesus is the son of God. We're gonna kill this so it'll kill your movement. And it did. So Jesus is saying, essentially, I want you to go to the place where they hate you. Yeah, just go there and tell them about Jesus. Tell them about me, be my witness there. And then he says, next, go to Judea and Samaria, okay? Go to where they hate me, and now you're telling me to go where I hate them. See, Judea and Samaria was filled with Samaritans, people who they saw, they looked at with disgust. It's almost, it's almost as bad as the hatred between UGA fans and Florida fans, right? It's almost as bad as that. It's really close. But that is a place where Jews defiled themselves. They would intermarry with Gentiles. And Gentiles are anyone who's not part of the chosen race of God back then, which was the nation of Israel. So they hated them. So he's like, okay, go to Jerusalem where they hate you, Judea and Samaria, where you hate them. And then finally go to the ends of the earth where you don't even know existed. See, they didn't have planes, trains, and automobiles. They didn't have phones to, to give them Google Maps and to guide them where to go. They, most of the time, people didn't venture out a 30-mile radius of their birthplace because they didn't have the resources nor the knowledge of what to do. And so Jesus is telling them, go to places you don't even know exist where you don't know what's going to happen and you feel extremely, extremely, <clears throat> excuse me, uncomfortable. And in this place, when he said this, when he said all three of these things, can you imagine what the disciples did? They probably looked at him and said, no, I can't do this. There's no way. It's almost as crazy as if Elon Musk called me and said, hey, Raul, SpaceX is taking you to the moon. Now that's insane. Yeah, see, you're lying. That's insane. Now, that would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Elon, if you're watching. All right. But this is how Jesus planned for the movement to spread. It was not through him physically being there. He tasked the disciples to take this message far and wide. He wasn't content with it staying in Jerusalem, not even in that city. He wanted to go to the region, to Judea and Samaria, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. And this plan that he was talking about, it was huge. It was so earth shattering that it would go and echo through all of eternity to even more where we will be talking about it even today. And that's the reason he spent three years with them. He said to prepare you exactly for this moment that you're going to change the world, not just now, but forever. So he says that. And what happens next, the next couple of verses, the scenario that happens, it's probably one of the funniest things I've ever read in the Bible. Now just bear with me. This is how my brain works, but watch what happens. After he said, um, going to Judea and Samaria, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. So he drops this bomb and he's like, you're going to go do things where they hate you, where you hate them in places you've never been. You're going to take this and I'm going to leave. And then he just dips. He's out. He floats and, and he doesn't just go, disappear. He literally floats up into the sky and gets hidden by a cloud. That's almost like if your boss walked into your office and said, hey, listen, I'm leaving you're going to take over the company and I want you to, uh, to grow it into an international conglomerate. And then he literally disappears in front of your eyes. Can you imagine if that happened? This is hilarious. This is what the, the happened to the disciples. And so there's probably just like they're staring. Where'd he go? With their mouths wide open. Well, actually that is what happened. I'm not making this up. Here's read what happens next. 
They were looking intently up into the sky. They were literally staring into the sky. And as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. They were literally just staring with their mouths open probably. Jesus gets up into heaven, looks down and says, are you serious? I just told you my plan that you've been waiting for. If you, I died and came back to life. You think that would excite them enough to go moving? No, instead they're just still waiting. Where'd he go? Jesus like, okay, you two, get down there and please tell them to move. And he sends two angels down there. And then here's what happens next. He, say, he explains, men of Galilee, this is what these angels said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? They were literally frozen. You know that whole term frozen chosen? That's what they were doing. Like I'm stuck, I can't move. This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Talk about being moved out of your comfort zone. Literally, they're standing there. You'd have two angels show up next to you to push you, to move, to go to a place, to do something they didn't want to do. And at this moment, the movement should have died. I mean, think about it. A group of uneducated men with no resources and no way of transportation. The movement should have died because they were frozen there. So then how do we get from that place to these people? And by the way, if you're painting this picture, again, if you, this is another reason to read the Bible. You wouldn't paint the disciples, the people actually spread the movement in this way, uh, just looking, staring into the sky and not being able to move. How do we move from that point, this point of the story, to where we're still talking about Jesus 2,000 years later? Well, here's how. Here's what they did. They, after this, because the men came, these angels came and told them to move, they ran back into an upper room is what it's called. And they, they strategized at an office site and called the leadership team meeting and came up with a threefold plan. They said, first, here's what we're going to do. Who's going to go to Jerusalem to tell the Jews about Jesus? Peter? Great. You got it? Put it in slack so everybody knows. Second step. Okay. Who's going to go to Judea and Samaria? Anyone? Bueller? Okay. We'll table that. We'll come back to that. Third. Who's going to go research where the ends of the earth are? No, just kidding. That's not what they did. They, they ended up waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And let me tell you, when it did, the Holy Spirit activated. Oh my gosh. Let me explain what Luke continues to record in his investigation of how this message spread like wildfire. He says this, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So they went from being frozen and not knowing what to do and relying on Jesus physically being with them to the Holy Spirit coming upon them and giving and helping them be a witness boldly. How amazing is that? See, the Holy Spirit empowered them to no longer spectate, but now to participate. And when that happened, here's the incredible thing. Luke records they actually accomplished this task. See, chapters one through seven, they went to all of Jerusalem and everyone heard. And chapters eight and nine, they went to Judea and Samaria. I know it was a very short amount of time. They're like, we ain't spending a lot of time there. Then the rest of the book, they took it to the ends of the earth. You've got to, when you get a chance, you've got to read the book of Acts. It is fascinating how these people took this message to where we're still hearing about it today. It blows my mind. In fact, they spread it so much that historians said it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened this way where we're still talking about it, but this is the only way that it can be explained, that God's Holy Spirit within them 
gave them the boldness to take it where no man has ever gone before, right? So why am I telling you all this? What does this have to do with your comfort zone? Well, two things. First, we have that same spirit living within us if you're a follower of Jesus. I know, it's crazy. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead 2,000 years ago is within us. Crazy it seems, but it's true. We just don't talk a lot, a lot about it. But the other reason I'm telling you this is that the disciples kept going and boldly sharing wherever they went until they died. But then other people kept the message going to where we're hearing about it today, which means now it's on us. It's our responsibility to boldly be a witness wherever we go to share this message about Jesus, this gospel, the good news that we can have a relationship with our heavenly father because of what Jesus did for us on that cross. And you know what this message is, right? It's this message that gives us hope. It's this message that gives us peace. It's this message that gives us strength. And we've heard it and we've heard it in here. We've heard it as we watch the line and listen to other speakers. So now it's our responsibility, just like the disciples, to go take this message far and wide. But here's the thing. Do we really believe that statement that the purpose of our lives is bigger than our lives? Because it's easy for us to hear a message like this and hear about the disciples and hear it's, we're actually called to do this and tasked to do this, to take this message and hear, well, Raul, you're talking to somebody else. I'm good. I'm content. Someone else in this room needs to hear it. Somebody who's more of a better Christian than me. Or Raul, you can do it. You, you should do it. You're, you're the professional Christian in the room. That's your job. But Jesus left. He was the leader of the, of the movement. And he literally left and saying, the spirit within you is better than me being beside you because then you can take this message wherever you go. See, we like to be led. Instead of saying someone else will do it, we also like to be led and saying the leader will do it and they'll lead the way. Jesus has already led the way. Now, each one of us is called to take this, not to wait, but to be intentional and to live with intentionality where we can boldly take this message everywhere we go. See, God wants to use you to change someone else's life, to give them hope that you have, the peace that doesn't make sense, strength and joy all in the name of Jesus. He wants to use us, but also he wants to use you because we're a part of something bigger. We're a part of something bigger than ourselves. We aren't called to spectate. We're told to participate in inspiring people to follow Jesus. See, that's what our church is all about. That's our mission, to inspire people to follow Jesus because everyone is invited to participate in the kingdom of heaven. But again, we might be sitting there going, I'm an introvert. I can't tell anybody about Jesus. That's uncomfortable. There it is. That's the purpose of this message. I'm gonna push you a little bit further than last week. See, according to the Bible, according to scripture, boldness and courage are not a personality trait. It's actually what the Holy Spirit gives us to do, that no one has an excuse to not share. We're called to be a witness, just like the disciples, to make sure everyone, not just in Hamilton Mill, but throughout the world, hear about this good news. And that's the goal. That's what I want you to do. I want you to feel a little uncomfortable. I want you to move a little out of your comfort zone. As you hear that, we're going to make sure everyone knows about Jesus. So let me explain what this looks like that we have this boldness. Um, let me explain uh, how, how we're gonna do this. Well, actually, before we do that, I should probably explain how we shouldn't do this because you might've experienced how sometimes you haven't exactly heard this in the correct way. Let me, here, let me give you some scenarios where this is not the way to do it. So maybe you're at the grocery store and you tap the person in front of you. You're like, 
wow, you've got a lot of groceries in there. That's going to cost a lot. You know what else costs a lot? Your life. And Jesus paid it all. (laughs) Please don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, Don't do this. Don't be in a red light and going, and they roll down their window and they're like, hey. And you're like, hey, where are you going? Home? I'm going to church. You should follow me. Please don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Okay, okay. And this last one, you're at a park with other moms. And you're like having a conversation. In the middle of the conversation, you're like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you feel like your life is going in the wrong direction? You know where I'm going with this. Jesus allows U-turns. Please don't do that. Oh my gosh, please don't. That, that bumper sticker kills me every time. Please don't. Like I know, and some of you might have experienced that and some of you might have used that. It's not bad, but maybe your approach. Let me give you an easier approach to, to being bold as a witness like the disciples were. In fact, it's exactly what the disciples did. It's as simple as this. Just tell them what Jesus has done for you. That's a much easier way. And yes, it's gonna make you uncomfortable but it won't make them uncomfortable and awkward, right? That's not the goal is to make someone else cringe, all right? Please don't do that. But tell them what Jesus has done for you. Because see, listen, if you've been changed by Jesus, share that. Um, There's this statement that stuck with me for 20 years from one of my mentors. And he said, his name's Larry. He said, the best evidence of a changed life is a changed life. So share that. Share how Jesus has guided you how he's given you direction. Share how he has helped you and he's helped you in every scenario. Oh, share how he's given you peace, a peace that doesn't make sense when you should be freaking out about the news you just got or the diagnosis you just received. Share about that. Share how Jesus has made you better at life. Something we say a lot around here is Jesus makes life better and makes us better at life. If you truly believe that or he's done that for you, share that. Man, tell them about the community he's provided. A community here or in your groups or at home or in your neighborhood where you've received love and support where you wouldn't have otherwise. And then finally, another way you could do this is tell them that you have a relationship with the creator of the universe. That just blows my mind that we can talk to our heavenly father at any time. Now you might be sitting there and going, that's great, Raul. I can share that, but what do I say? Like I've changed, that's helpful, but what do I actually say? Well, here's the cool part. Jesus tells us is we don't actually have to know what to say. I know you might think this is crazy, but even sometimes I worry about, do I have the right words to tell this person in the middle of a conversation as we're just talking? And I just want to talk about how Jesus changed my life. See, Jesus was was telling his disciples as they were about to go spread this message. He says, listen, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Here's how he put it. He said, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that right time what you should say. Have you ever been in a scenario where you're sharing everything that you love? Maybe you're sharing about a movie or a concert or an achievement your kids have done. Did you have to think about what to say? No. You're like, it just comes out. I'm excited about it. If you're enamored with Jesus, the Holy Spirit will use that and give you the exact words to say to help that person understand what it looks like to follow Jesus. You know how I know this? Because of Billy Graham. Some of you might know Billy Graham. Famous evangelists packed out stadiums because people would bring others to hear this message about Jesus. In an interview, you know what he said? He goes, 
most of my messages, I give the same message everywhere I go, whether it's arenas or with presidents. I literally said the same thing most of the time. It's the Holy Spirit who takes my words and allows people's hearts to be comforted and to be made uncomfortable so that they can choose to follow Jesus. To a guy who saw so many people choose to follow Jesus, just said the same message every time. His words actually didn't matter. Let me bring it a little bit closer to home. One of my friends, her name's Courtney, and she goes to our church. One day, she felt that nudge we talked about. You know that nudge that the Holy Spirit gives you to do something uncomfortable? And the nudge was from God saying, hey, I want you to lead a group in Upstreet, which is our elementary age students. And she's like, I can't. I've got a stuttering problem. And God goes, I know. That stuttering is not a weakness like you think it is. It's actually a strength. So she started leading a group in Upstreet. And these kids, get this, one of the kids had a stutter. And she saw how she was confidently leaning into what God wants her to do and telling them about Jesus, that that kid ended up choosing to follow Jesus. And then now she's, because she gained confidence there, she's leading a group in transit and doing the same thing, telling middle schoolers about Jesus. And she keeps gaining confidence that her life is becoming better and better. You're not gonna believe this. Now she's a coach in transit where she's leading other leaders teaching them how to say words about Jesus to middle schoolers. Guys, that doesn't happen if it weren't for the Holy Spirit. And it creates such an impact in people's lives that it changes them as well. Here's what one student told Courtney. She wrote this on the whiteboard in their small group meeting room. Thank you so much for being my leader. I have enjoyed every moment of it with all the joy and kindness you bring in my heart. You've always been there for me and bringing me closer to the Lord. I will always appreciate you and what you have done to impact me and my life. I will miss you so much. Love, Haven. See, you don't have to have the right words to say. That's why we're talking about the Holy Spirit. He will give you, it's God living within you. He'll give you the right words to say and help you have boldness and help you have courage to do things like Courtney does, even like Billy Graham did. How incredible is that? Now, I know that still creates some uncomfortability, right? Some of you are like, nope, I'm, I, I'm fearful about this. I'm fearful what they might say back to me. I'm worried, Raul. There's no way I can do this. Well, that's, I'm gonna keep going back to this. I'm sound like a broken record. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. Even Timothy, Paul, the apostle Paul's protege, was struggling with this. And here's what Paul told him. He said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, of self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. Paul was telling Timothy, who was struggling with this, you don't have that spirit. You've got the spirit that gives you courage, gives you strength to face each day, to live this life that God has called you to live, to help you become the person you want to become, to give you that strength to tell other people to be a bold witness. And because of that, because we have that, we can speak words that give life to people and we can be bold to be a witness wherever we go. So where should we go? What does this look like for us? Where do we actually do this? Do we just do this here? Well, no, we don't, we don't do this here. We take this outside these walls to our Jerusalem, kind of like the disciples did. So we start in Jerusalem, which is right where you are. Just like the disciples, go to where you already know. Go to people you already know. In the middle of conversations with your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, this will naturally come up if you are excited about what Jesus has done for you. It'll naturally come into conversation about what God's doing here in your life at work. And just like as you're going, just like your neighbors and your friends, you can do specific things also 
to help spread the, the gospel, the good news about Jesus. One of them is maybe through social media. Um, there's this high schooler, his name's Carson. And he, like a typical teenager, he posts about fun things going on. He posts about hanging out with his friends. But he also sees his social media as a platform. And he constantly shares about Inside Out, our high school environment, saying, you've got to come here. This is a community that loves and supports me, and I want you to have the same thing. See, you, a normal teenager would not be doing that. They'd be worried about what their friends would think of them when they're posting about church and about Jesus. But Carson, he realizes, listen, the purpose of my life is bigger than my life. And so I want people to have what I have. Another way you could do this is in the drive-thru. Hear me out. If you're going through Starbucks or um, you're going through Krispy Kreme or even like some fast food place and you're just getting food, what if we all started paying for people behind us? We paid behind us this week. Let's do that this week. People of Hamilton Mill, let's pay it forward by paying it backward in every car that's behind us. In Tampa, one church did this and it went for 137 cars. How cool, imagine if we started a movement. And so what you do is you just tell the person behind you, well, you might want to ask how much it is first because if there's like a soccer team behind you, I'm not saying you need to do that, but if you want to, but not saying you need to. And you say, hey, just tell them I'm going to cover their meal and that God is for them. Super simple. And then they see this magnet on the back of your car. You know the magnets we have? And they're like, wow, God truly is for me because these people are for me. Let's all, can we all do that this week? Let's do that this week. At least one time, let's pay it backward. I, I really, I was talking to guest services. I was like, hey, what if we put a magnet on everybody's car while they're sitting in here? They said, no, Raul, that's uncomfortable. I said, that's my point. It's go do it. No, just kidding. They didn't, maybe. They didn't do it. But what if we did that? That's an easy way to do this. Another way you could do this and spread the message about Jesus is wearing your four Hamilton Mill uh, merch, right? Every time Annie and I, my wife, wear this, People ask us, hey, what's that about? And you know what we tell them? God's not against you. We want everyone to know that God's not against you, that God is for you. And that's it. And it creates a conversation every single time. We've just got to be willing to do that. Some other ways you can do is start a group in your neighborhood for community. Start a group with your friends. You could start a group at work that is just getting together to have the same community that you have here. And then you can end up talking about Jesus and being a bold witness in Jerusalem. So after that, We're going to go to Judea and Samaria. Now, for us, we don't have to physically go to Judea and Samaria. But what that means is we're going to go to places beyond where people we know. This could be serving with a nonprofit partner through Be Rich like we just saw. Maybe that's like Home of Hope, North Gwinnett Co-op, or um, Eagle Ranch, where you can go invest in the lives of others while telling them about Jesus. This could also be going to Lighthouse Family Retreat, which has retreats all throughout the nation. And you can go walk with families struggling with childhood cancer and telling them about the hope that you have because of God and Jesus. It's also, you can also get creative with it. Man, there's a guy I know. um, He has a local business and he owns a business and his team collects all the credit card points that his business spends throughout the year. And at the end of the year, so right now they're about to do this. They're gonna take all those points and grant wishes for people in the community all in the name of Jesus. There's so many ways you can do this locally and in Judea and Samaria. And then the last one is the ends of the earth. Now, for some of us, this might be the hardest one, but we now have the resources to travel thousands of miles so that every corner of the globe can hear about Jesus. This could mean jumping on a plane and going on a global X journey, a mission trip to go spread the gospel. 
Um, some of you know my son, Colin. He's at UGA. And he went on a mission trip to Merida, Mexico a couple of years ago. And it changed him. He's like, I didn't realize how easy it is for me to talk about Jesus. I had to go to another country to realize that. And so he came back and he served in Wombaland and did it with babies. And then he went on another mission trip this past summer to Guatemala because of how easy it was for him to share about Jesus. There's so many different ways you can do this, but I, I don't want you to pick just one. And I know this is going to make you uncomfortable, but I want you to pick all three. I want you to start where we are. So today, this week, start where you are and then make a plan to go to Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. This is essentially the four message in a nutshell, isn't it? That we want everyone to know that God is for them by how well we serve them and telling them that they can have the hope, the strength, the joy, the peace that we have. So ultimately, I hope you've been convinced that the purpose of your life is bigger than your life. I hope you understand and believe this statement now, that the purpose of not just our lives, but your life is bigger than what you thought. It's because God has a calling on your life. And to do the same thing the disciples have done, to do the same thing people have done for us throughout the years, over and over and over, to share how Jesus has changed you, to share what he's done for you so that other people can experience what we have experienced. I believe we can do that. I believe you and you and you and each one of us can do that because we have a message that will literally change the world. One of peace, one of joy, and one of hope, and one of unity. Can't the world use that right now? See, as Christians, we're called to be restorers, to unifiers. We're not supposed to pick sides and to divide people. We're called to unify people, and the world needs that more than ever. And the best way to do that is through the gospel, through Jesus Christ, because the gospel is never meant to stay with you. It was always meant to flow right through you. So if you've been truly changed, let's boldly go be a witness. Let's no longer sit on the couch and cheer other people on. Let's not wait for someone else to lead the way. Let's be intentional and take this message to the ends of the earth because changed people change the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good that you would give us Jesus to die for us so we can have a relationship with you. And on top of that, then you would give us your spirit that lives within us, giving us wisdom and guidance and boldness and courage to do this Thank you so much for how much you love us that you'd be willing to do that. You could have easily been far removed from us, but yet you choose to walk with us every single day to live within us. So Father, I pray, not just this week, but for our whole lives, we realize that the purpose of our life, it's bigger than our life. And that we understand that now, so we will boldly take this message wherever we go, wherever you call us as we're going with our friends, our family, to the nation, and ultimately to the world, because you are not content with that message staying in Hamilton Mill, that you are for them, but you want everyone to know that. Thanks for loving us, and thanks for Jesus. And it's his mighty name we pray, amen.